Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Um, I won't be sharing for very long tonight um, because we knew that we would have Anshin here and we're also going to give um, Shamiso and Daniela um, some time to, to share testimony and give feedback after they visited um, East London with Lauren this past weekend. Um, <clears throat> Lauren... Um, Lauren was asked in January or February to, um, to the show for in East London, um, had a ladies weekend, um, this, this last weekend and they asked Lauren to be the, the keynote speaker, um, and to just minister at the event and Lauren is my wife, for those of you who don't know and then, um, most of you will know that about two, three weeks ago, um, we, we lost a baby daughter and um, most of you were part of that journey, and it has just encouraged Lauren and I in such an incredible way, how you have supported us and just prayed with us and brought us food. Some of you brought steaks and brooks and brought them to us while they were still warm. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that. And, um, but this happened. We, we went for a checkup. Lauren was 18 weeks pregnant, and the doctor said that there was no heartbeat. It was a little girl, and uh, we were crushed. We already had a name for her. We had some promises that we believe God had given for her life, and we included all of you in that journey, and you prayed with us the Sunday night before we went for the kind of third and final scan, and that night will forever be with me in my heart and in my mind just to see the compassion and the faith that God stirred in you guys blessed us so much, and I think blessed God so much, and just honor you for that. We really were at a place where we believed that God could and would resurrect Talita from the dead, and um, He didn't do that in this life. Um, she's resurrected in eternity, and so she's with Jesus. And uh, the reason why I share that story, there's lots to share around that story, and I, I won't go into detail tonight. If you want to hear more, you're welcome to approach me. Um, but we also had a bit of a celebration service at our house um, on the, um, the Thursday after Lauren um, gave birth to Talita on the Tuesday. Um, and, and then on the Thursday night, we had a bit of a celebration just at our house with some people and um, we, we, yellow was the color that we saw for her always, and we wanted to release, um, four, we, we wanted to release three yellow balloons into the air, just as a saying goodbye and saying, you know, enjoy heaven. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, and the name also, uh, there was some symbolism around it. Lauren will know that I'm not so great with the details always, but, um, so we released three balloons, and then my mother-in-law was also there, and she said she also wanted to release a balloon. So we released four yellow balloons that night. And when Lauren got to awaken, uh, we went to um, Stillboy. Um, after that, uh, just to my parents' place at the coast to just spend time together as a family. And and while we were there, we we um, kept up picking up all these pansy shells on the beach, which is extremely rare, but we were just picking up all these pansy shells, and we just felt... God said to us that he's going to restore double, and um, that was such an encouraging promise, and, and then we, we also and at that time praying if Lauren should still be ministering at this event, because obviously she's feeling quite vulnerable, and we had just been through, you know, quite an intense experience, 
but we felt like God was saying that she, she still needed to go. And we actually had a bit of an excitement around that. And, and it, it felt like part of the process, like part of the journey. And so she ended up going and she'll share at some point. And Daniela and Shamisa will share. It was just an amazing weekend. But one of the things that happened is that um, there was, they have also a prophetic community within the church. And some of the girls were praying and asking God. They were actually just um, asking God for words for the event. So not for a person necessarily, but they were praying and they were asking God. And this one girl saw a vision that she, she um, painted on a, on a canvas and for the event. And, and then she gave it to Lauren and she didn't know the story at that point. But on the canvas was four yellow balloons that were rising up in the air. And there were eight pink balloons, double the number of the yellow balloons. So restoring double. And I was just like, how specific is that? How amazing is God? Um, so on that note, over to Daniela and Shamiso. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so Sham and I, we really struggled to put down what we wanted to share because there was just so much fun that weekend. Not a single person left awake and not having heard from God. It was absolutely incredible. And I think it's something that we will be processing probably for the next couple of weeks still. I know Sham saw Lauren in the week and Lauren was still like bubbling, jumping off the walls after, after the weekend. So we're going to do our best to share some things that really stood out to us and some things that we took home. And I was actually reminded in worship of um, actually the first night on the Friday night. So leading up to Awaken, I also experienced, actually specifically on the Thursday, I experienced a lot like heavy insecurity, like heavy just feeling, my words were, I feel like a chach person, like I'm just a chach person. Um, and I couldn't, I just couldn't shake it. And so we went into Awaken on the Friday, we arrive at the venue and I'm still feeling a little bit like, oh my gosh, like should I even be here? Because um, Shamisa and I were sort of appointed as leaders also for, for that weekend. And me, Sham and Lauren had a time of prayer just in Lauren's room before we even went out. And the presence of God <laughs> was so insane. It was just so tangible, just in the room. We left, we were like, we can go home now, um, just in that moment. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit just drawing my attention to the cross. And it was just so emphasized for me that the enemy will do whatever he can to take our eyes off of the cross just because of how powerful it is. Like, I just realized that everything that the enemy was causing me to, yeah, every time he was causing me to look away, just one moment of glimpsing at Jesus, just glimpsing at his resurrection and glimpsing at what I have in him was sufficient. And so I went into that weekend praying that, ex praying that into, into the weekend that, um, that we would all glance at Jesus who's high and lifted up because um, there we will find healing and the cross is sufficient for all things. And, and I just remember one thing that stood out to me was that throughout the week, there was 120 women on this camp. Like, who knew East London even had that many people there, <laughs> let alone women? But... Um, <laughs> But there's 120 women, and throughout the weekend, what stood out to me is that every altar call, every opportunity that there was to respond, pretty much 98% of the room was in the front. Like, there was never enough space for everyone to respond. And just that thing of Jesus being high and lifted and being, 
like healing being in the cross. And just these women being so unashamed, like so unashamed of what they were responding for, what the person next to them was thinking, because there's just an absolute faith that Christ had what they needed. And, and that actually encouraged like the whole room as well. There was just this constant sense of vulnerability and yeah, just shamelessness and fearlessness in leaning on Jesus. So yeah, that was one, one thing. So I also struggled a lot um, the week prior to the weekend because I was like, what does this mean? Lauren is this amazing woman and what are we going to do when we get there? And for me, the big thing was striving because I tend to get into like list mode if I have to do anything. So if it's something unfamiliar, I'm like, okay, God, we're going to go through the list. You're going to, you know, have the words on tap and we're going to prophesy. And it was hectic striving. And then (laughs) when we got there, Lauren just jokingly said, no striving, ladies. Okay. Then I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this. Um, <laughs> so that was a little bit humbling. Um, and the, the whole plane ride, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm striving, I'm striving. Um, and then we got there on the Friday night. Um, then the ladies in East London were so hungry for God. I almost was like, are these women crazy? Dan and I kept on looking at each other like, what is going on in this place? And immediately like that heart that I had to strive just like went away because then I realized like it's about God. Stuff that I already knew, but it was so evident in the atmosphere that it's about God. And these women were hungry for God. They weren't hungry for Lauren or Dan or myself. Like anyone could have gone. Any one of you could have been there. Those ladies were hungry for God. Um, And that's the main thing that I took away from the weekend that it's not about events, it's not about like Sunday service or a conference. Um, And when I was thinking about what to share tonight, God just reminded me of this thing they taught us in worship school, like as a worship band, your job isn't just to facilitate the people into the presence of God, but to inspire people to live lives of worship throughout the week. Um, And I really feel like that is what God is doing in our church. Um, And I know like some of you can feel it. If you can't, be encouraged because that's the heart that God is creating in us, um, that we would be people that worship him in our weeks, in our lives. Um, And this weekend just reminded me of that again, that it's not about the weekend um, through the conversations with the ladies, through the conversations with Lauren um, I was just reminded of that and um, yeah and just to share one more thing is with intercession as well I just want to encourage us to come and pray for the church um, because when we were coming back I just shared with Lauren I'm like hey God has been speaking to us about this already um, and if you feel like okay I don't really see what's going on in the church these people are creepy they're always saying blah 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 just come join us for intercession um, so that you can see what the heart of God is for the church but yeah that's the main thing that I got from the weekend just a reminder that God doesn't want us to live from conference to conference or event to event, but in our lives to live lives of obedience unto him. And that's where the striving falls away. Yeah. Um, so there was another another evening that was pretty pivotal for both me and Shamiso. And that was when it was just an evening of like just soaking in the presence of, of God. And there was this opportunity for the girls who were attending to come and receive a prophetic word. And so they had all the leaders, including us, stand in the front. So there must have been gosh, like 35 liters. And it was like also another time where Lauren just looked at me and she was like, no striving, no striving. So because this was also going to put, it was quite a lot of pressure. And I had like this wrestle in my heart of, shucks, I mean, everyone's going to receive a prophetic word, but is this really what it's about? Like making us feel good in God and these bigger things that we should be focusing on. And I was really struggling with this. And and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, this is your inheritance as Christians. You get to enjoy the love of God for you, and you get to have res- enjoy restored fellowship with him. And, and that was insane for us. Like, we just, we saw the Holy Spirit move so powerfully. I remember praying, like, God, 
you have to move and not relent through me. Like, not for my sake, but for the sake of every girl who's going to come to me. Because I couldn't stand the thoughts of any girl leaving me and not having received something she knew was from God. So I was like, if this is the first and only time you move through me, Holy Spirit, please let it be now um, for that purpose. And it was amazing. Like, every word was spot on. Like, every single goal for every single leader. Like, spot on words of God just confirming things in these girls' lives or just reigniting hope or promise. And there was one girl who came up to me, and she came up to me in brokenness. Like, you could see she was, she was heartbroken. And she, she just said to me, she felt like God was telling her to come and get prayer from me. And I, like of all the leaders, and then I prayed for her and it was like, she was crying and it was just like exactly what she needed to hear. But what stood out to me about that encounter was that it wasn't me. What God had done was raise an expectation in her heart. Like he could have told her to go to any single person, but just the fact that she came with an expectancy to hear allowed her to hear the Holy Spirit, like, so it had absolutely, it was cool for me to see that it had nothing to do with me, God just did what he needed to do to raise a hunger, and that hunger, yeah, was what Sham and I just came back, like, bubbling over about, that everyone was so hungry, and, and the word says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled, so it's just this beautiful thing of God doesn't stir up a hunger not to fill it, um, and we witnessed that, like, yeah. Yeah, and on that night as well, I was I felt a lot of pressure again because I couldn't hear anything, um, and we were literally standing in front, and there were like queues of girls in front of us wanting prophetic words, and I had nothing. <laughs> and um, God then just told me that I love these girls. Um, it's not about you or your pride or your desire to be this prophetic, amazing woman. Um, just ask the girl, like, what does she need prayer for? Uh, and that really humbled me that I I wasn't coming up and saying, I see your future and blah blah blah. <laughs> The one lady, I was just like, um, can I pray for you for anything? And she had her recorder on, so I saw she was waiting for like a word or something. And then I just said, can I pray for you for anything? Then she told me what to pray for her for, um, and that really blessed her. And that just reminded me again, like in our serving and in everything that we give to each other or the church, it's not about our titles or um, our pride, but just the love for people. So I'm just encouraged again for the hunger for God, but also a love for people in our serving as well. Yeah. I think just in, in summary, we, we realized that what we witnessed on the weekend was not unique to show Far East London. We came back and we were like, but we're feeling the stirring happening in our own church. And so we were just so expectant and so excited that God is really awakening that hunger in all of us. And like we've been, um, yeah, we've really been witnessing an outpouring of his spirit and his presence, even in our services. And so we're really expecting for what God is doing in the church body as a whole. Like when we came back, that's what we were, we were excited for because we're so undeserving. It's got nothing to do with what we've done right. It's just the goodness of who God is. So yeah, that's us. <laughs> No, I think there just is something special when we <coughs> when we step out and we make ourselves available to be used by God, and and that's what Anshan and them shared earlier. That's uh, that's what Shamiso and Daniela also shared. Um, Cornell just came back from the Ukraine after about ten days, nearly two weeks in the Ukraine, and just trusting God to connect with pastors and ministers there um, to make disciples in the Ukraine, and we're sending off a team to Tanzania soon on the fifth. Of October, um, hey, where's Philip Jorgens? There he is, correct. 
So we'll be sending them next week, um, next weekend. And so there's a lot of going out and coming back in. And it's just amazing how God uses us, but also changes us when we go. And we bring that back as an importation, which is, which is really special. And, and that's a little bit about what I want to share tonight. I'll just be sharing for 10, 15 minutes. Um, so here we go. Um, the key text I want to focus on is in Romans 10. Um, but um, I'll just give a little bit of background in Romans 9. <coughs> Romans 9 um, starts off where, where Paul shares his burden with for the Israelites, <coughs> for the Jews. Um, the Jews as God's original chosen group of people and the group of people that he made a covenant with, the people that had received the law of God, the people who had journeyed with him throughout the period of the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, and um, <clears throat> him himself being a Jew, coming from a Jewish background and having received Christ. You know, there's a scripture in, in Philippians, I think, where he says, you know, if anyone has reason to boast in the flesh, he has more because he's of the tribe of Benjamin and concerning a Pharisee, he's faultless and he's zealous and, you know, he's never broken the law and he's persecuting the church. So actually from, a, from that, like, from a, a, a cultural and a, a people group and an ethnic pride, he had every reason to boast. But then he says, like, whatever, whatever, whatever of, the, of that, whatever I could boast in, I actually count as lost. I actually, some translations say I count it as garbage for the sake of Christ and for the gift of having found Jesus and having found salvation in Jesus and in none of that stuff. But then he just says, like in Romans 9, he says he has this burden for the Israelites, for the Jews, that they would know the gospel has borne fruit with the Gentiles, but that they would also know that righteousness doesn't come through the law. You know, the heirs of the promise to Abraham is not just by natural descent. It's not just the people that are physically born of his lineage. It's people that take hold of that promise by faith. As people who believe that Jesus' sacrifice was enough so that his righteousness could be our righteousness by faith, not because of anything that we had done. And so he just shares his burden um, and his heart with the church and um, I, I won't focus much on the detail in chapter 9, but he, he starts off and he says in verse 1, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. That I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And um, that challenged me, that phrase. Because I'm like, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and His peace will surpass my, my mind, you know, um, and my thoughts. And that's true. God's heart is for us to, to have joy and to have peace in all circumstances. But it's amazing to see actually how God, if we allow Him, will, will break our hearts and give us a burden and allow us to go into a place of anguish for what He's experiencing so that we may be moved by compassion and faith to actually do something about it. And, um, and that's just so beautiful. That's just God's grace, the fact that he does that. Um, and then he wants us to take that to him and to ask him, how do we respond to this? So that's a little bit of background around Romans 9. Um, Romans 10 then continues about um, you know, the fact that Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law. Um, but he makes a case for righteousness that's based on faith. And then we'll read from verse 8, if you want to follow with me. Um, Romans 10, verse 8. Um, I'm reading from the ESV translation. But what does it say? The word is near you, 
in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is amazing. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise. It's not like you might be saved or hopefully you will enjoy salvation or you will be saved. God is not a man. He cannot lie. And his word must be true. It's got to accomplish what it's sent forth. It said you will be saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It explains, it continues with that, that thought in verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. For with the heart one believes and is justified. So it's our belief in Jesus as the Son of God. The fact that he died for our sins and was resurrected. That justifies us. That makes us just in God's sight. That belief, that faith in our heart in Jesus. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I just love it when the Bible doesn't leave room for confusion or for like, it's not a relative statement. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If there is a cry in our heart that finds expression in our lips and we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. Oh, that is, would you say that that is good news? Would you agree? Can I argue you on that? Because the next, the next verse is, um, is then actually a bit of a challenge to us. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was difficult to call on something that you don't know exists. If you've never heard about, of that name, it's difficult to call onto that name. It's difficult to believe and something that you had never considered. We've, we've got some, I know um, Daniel has been on missions to the Himalayas in Nepal, where there are people that have never come in contact with any other Christians, and preaching the gospel just takes up on a different form, where there's no reference for a Christian worldview. There's no reference for a good God that made everything, that had a son and sent him to be died and ascended to heaven. How do those people that are ex completely isolated from society know to call on the name of Jesus so that they may be saved. If they call on his name, they will be saved. 
But then what the scripture says is, in order for them to call on him, they need to believe in him. In order for them to believe in him, they had to hear about him. In order for them to have heard about him, someone would have had to preach him. And in order for someone to have preached them, they would have needed to be sent, commissioned to preach the name of Jesus. And um, so it's incredibly good news um, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But um, we need to help people to, to hear and to know that name, that person of Jesus, so that they can find the faith in their heart to put it in him. And um, this verse has, has been challenging me. So much, and um, but I think it's something that God wants to encourage us with, um, because I just felt to encourage us all tonight that there is no one that is disqualified from being sent to preach the name of Jesus, so that people may hear and believe and call on Him and be saved. There is no one that is disqualified from that, and often we find very good reasons to disqualify ourselves, especially some of us walk sometimes with real hurts, and God really wants to come in and heal those hurts, but those hurts doesn't disqualify us from sharing the name of Jesus. It's such a, it's such a crazy thought um, that he entrusts that to us. If we see like the palukas that Jesus sent out into the towns, <laughs> uneducated people, that if you just listen to the stuff that came out of their mouth sometimes, you wonder, like, Jesus, really? But I think he did that so that, so that we could see ourselves in them. We could be like, wow, if, God, if Jesus can send these people, then he can use me too. <laughs> and um, sure, you think about Peter, the one who said, you know, you are Peter, and on you, you are the rock, and on you I build my church. On this rock I will build my church. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. But then he went into that place of denial. When he appeared to them after he had resurrected from the dead, he appeared to them on the beach and he confronted Peter in love and he said, Peter, do you love me? And you can just imagine Peter is seeing Jesus for the first time after having denied him. And we know the sorrow that he experienced and the shame and the guilt that he experienced from doing that. And Jesus just engages him and he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Look after my flock. I'm not intimidated by the fact that you had a momentary lapse in faith. I'm not intimidated by the fact that you, your faith failed you in that moment and that you denied me and that you walked away in a sense. That doesn't intimidate me. Let's start here. Let's start right here, right now. Let's start where you are at, and let's work with that. Let's just work with that. And, um, and I believe he's saying that to all of us tonight. And, um, and in a sense, maybe, maybe some of us just haven't been sent. You just haven't actually been sent out, given permission. You don't actually need to have permission because Jesus has already sent you out. He said, go into all the world and um, preach the gospel and make disciples, help them to obey my teachings. Um, but I think we as a community can also send each other. That's why when Anshin and them come, when Cornell and them come, I forgot, but I repented and we, we sent him afterward. We meant to send him before he went to Ukraine. We did send him, but just not in the service. And we'll send the team 
because there's a blessing in that. There's a commissioning. There's a like, we're putting our faith with you. We're praying for you. We're acknowledging that God is sending you and he's going to use you. And we're anticipating a return and the testimonies that God's going to do while you're away. And we want to be part of that when you return. And, um, and so we'll, we'll actually do a bit of a sending tonight as well. But he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then our role in that is to be sent to preach so that they may hear, they may believe, and they may call on him. And then it says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That was one of the words God gave us for our daughter's life, for Talita's life. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And we were like, Lord, but how is that like how is that going to be fulfilled if she doesn't actually walk the earth? But the life has already had that impact in many of our lives. And um and at least for me, a desire for my feet to be led where the Holy Spirit wants it to go. And that he's actually quoting Isaiah fifty two. From verse 7, Paul, when he's writing that letter to the church, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I love that word, publishes. Don't you think that's cool? How beautiful are the feet of those who brings good news, who publishes peace. I just see like this newspaper, you know. Like, peace is the headline, and it's just distributed everywhere. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that's what happened here tonight when we were worshiping. We were worshiping, and while we were worshiping, we saw, because we know when Jesus was, he died, he was resurrected, he ascended to heaven, and he went to go sit on the right hand of the Father. And... The elders and the angels for eternity are casting their crowns and falling before him and saying, worthy, worthy, worthy. To God belongs all the honor and all the glory and all the dominion. And so we have the blessing of seeing that in worship. And then God includes us in his ministry of extending that beyond these walls to bring the good news that he reigns and he's a God who brings salvation, who brings peace. And that those who follow him have beautiful feet. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.